Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, the Friday edition. You've almost made it through the work week. Only a few hours left to go for most of us. Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years now. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. So, obviously, much of the focus of today's show has been on the draft, who the Oilers might take, uh, who they should take. It's it's going to drive the narrative between now and the fact that uh, and and the NHL draft on June 21st. We heard what Bob thinks, we heard what Elliot thinks, we heard what Corey Pronman thinks, but the director of player personnel for the Oilers, Bob Green, is in Buffalo with Bob Stoffer right now. They spoke earlier today. Let's get to that. Bob, I uh, here at the Combine in in Buffalo, and uh, you guys go through this whole process. So first, educate our listeners right now. How many players did the Evans Founders end up talking to? Uh, so I can't remember the exact number, to be honest, but uh, I think it was around 89 players. 89 players over the course of uh, uh, this past week. How long do the uh, interviews take? Uh, and how much work is, I mean, obviously you've done it, you've had multiple viewings. So for the guys in the first couple of rounds, what do you got? Five to ten viewings for each player or more than that in the organization. But uh, how much research is actually done by people in the Oilers organization, by the scouts, prior to the interview taking place? Well, a lot. I mean, you know, some of these kids we've seen probably 25 to 30 times, maybe maybe a little bit more depending on who they are. We've uh, already interviewed these kids once during the course of the season. Uh, we've interviewed their coaches on them and uh, you know and then of course we've we've tried to find any other information out that we can and talking to people that you know the area guys are really good at talking to people that they know within the league that in certain cities not that they can get information so by the time we get here we have a pretty good idea uh, what the you know obviously what he's like as a player but also as a person but you know, you got you got to meet them face to face and, and uh, get to know them a little bit more and, and uh, kind of confirm some things. And... Okay, uh, has there at all been a philosophical shift uh, since Ken Holland's come aboard? I mean, basically, my understanding is over the last couple of years, Keith Gretzky and you kind of headed up the amateur side of the organization. You guys haven't reluct- been reluctant to draft a smaller player like Yamamoto. Um, you haven't been reluctant to draft late-born players, uh, Yamamoto and Bouchard. Uh, you know, both uh, have had had that extra year junior when you guys uh, took them. But has anything changed on that end since Ken Holland's come aboard here over the last month? No, he you know he wants us to take the best player available in the draft, and, and uh, you know that's pretty much the bottom line. And, and uh, you know he's he's seen a lot of these kids play this year. Uh, you know he lived close to uh, where the national development team 
played out of, in Plymouth, and, and uh, so he's seen those kids play a lot. So he, you know, he's seen a lot of these guys, and he knows what they are as players. So you know, he's given us uh, his you know information and, and his opinion on a lot of these kids as well. I mean, clearly we've seen in the regular season that size really doesn't matter. I think we've seen a bit in the playoffs that the teams that can pound you a bit have you know St. Louis keeps coming and coming and coming at you, and Boston's always they're a quicker team now than they've been, but they still have that presence as well. Uh, you know, have we? And I guess to bring this up for a kid like Cole Caulfield, who is you know an undersized guy, unbelievable score with that U.S. National Development Program. I mean, look at Alex Debrinket going you know 39th in the draft in his draft year back in 2016. Um, is size less of an issue today than it was five years ago, and certainly 15 to 20 years ago? Yeah, I think it is. I, I, but I think the smaller players still have to be special because it, it's not easy, and they got to be highly competitive. And, and the guys that you mentioned are, and, and you know, because it's still hard. Big guys, they, it's you're hard to, harder to defend now than you probably were 20 to 25 years ago because there's less hooking and holding and that type of thing. So they're they're harder to defend, but you know, big guys can still lean on them. But you know, they can get through that. They they have to have the will and the, and the ability. To, to, to fight through that type of stuff. Bob Stoffer at the NHL Scouting Combine. We're joined by Bob Green, the Oilers Director of Player Personnel. And Bob, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you at the panel uh, four hours ago this morning uh, when we shot that to get the day started. Um, we have an interesting situation. This is a good year for the WHL. Uh, and you've got Kirby Dock out of Saskatoon and Dylan Cousins, uh, Peyton Krebs, three forwards. Uh, they're all part of the, the Holenka Gretzky team that won. They're all probably going to go in the top 12 to 13, certainly, I would argue. Uh, Dock and Cousins expected to maybe go in the top eight. And then there's a whole run of uh, five, uh, specifically, uh, U.S. national development forwards. Now, Hughes is probably going number one. So let's take him out of the mix. But the other guys, uh, Turk. Cotton, and uh, Zgrass, um, the aforementioned Caulfield uh, and Boldy. How challenging is it, because uh, you're using as much information as possible, to evaluate guys that are collectively on an all-star team, which the U.S. kids are, as opposed to a kid like Peyton Krebs, who is maybe you know the only player on this team that's, uh, they've only had, you know, he'll be the third guy drafted out of the Kootenai organization the last three years, that's it. It's pretty tough to draw a comparable because they don't have, so how do you guys do that? Well, I mean, good players are good players. You know, those kids, you put uh, any one of those kids in the, uh, uh, you know, from, that you mentioned from the West and then put them on that national team going to be pretty good and vice versa so if, if you're looking at it from an analytical standpoint you know there's lots of historical data that you can compare from you know from the kids playing this year to 10 years ago and and, and you know what is and digest what those all those numbers mean and, and then and the same goes with the national program it's been around for a while so you you know you measure if you want if you're doing the analytical thing then you you know you can compare these kids this year use and all those those kids to kids that played you know two three five ten years ago so it, it's a little bit easier that way but in the end you got to respect their ability I mean we're 
looking at at their skating, their puck skills, and everything else, and then from one league to the other, whether they're good players in, in the USHL or on the national program or the Western League, they're good players, and they could take their game anywhere and, and be good with it. All right, well, let's operate under the context that two players are going to be off the board at one and two, and that's going to be Jack Hughes as well as uh, Capo Caco from uh, Finland. So the Rangers, let's just assume that those two guys are going to be gone. I want to start with Bowen Byram with the Vancouver Giants. Some people have suggested best offensive defenseman in the WHL since Scott Niedermeyer, who went third in his draft year as well. Uh, give us a 15 to 20 second Coles Notes version of Byram. Yeah, Bowen had a great year. Obviously, the numbers speak for themselves. His playoff was outstanding. Uh, you know, he's got good skill. He skates well. He can uh, beat the forecheck with his feet or, or with his head and, and move the puck. And likes to join in the rush. Uh, he can lead the rush in the offensive zone. He, he's really good at the point. He can shoot the puck. A little bit deceptive, deceptive, uh, but he can move it as well. And he likes to he likes to move down the wall and and, and pick up the puck and he can make plays off the rush so you know as a defenseman I liked his gaps he, he, he played hard and, and he defended hard and, and he you know he wasn't easy to play against and and uh, you know for a 17 year old defenseman playing at that level and, and really you know probably being the best player on his team that's a lot to carry and he and he carried it well and then through the playoffs he, he was a target I saw him in a couple of his earlier series and and they really went after him, you know, on the four check. And they were physical with him, and they finished every check on him. And, and uh, again, at 17, that's that's pretty tough. And and he, he did well with it, and you know, right through to the end. With I mean, they played Game Seven in the League Final, and, and he was he, he was the guy. And, and you know, that's a lot to handle at that age. One word answer: Will he be there at eight? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean. You know, sitting here, you, pro- you, you probably think he won't be, but but you never know. Yeah. You know. Okay. Let's ask. I'm just so we'll just stick on defense for a couple seconds because a lot of the you know pundits out there don't have another defenseman ranked in the top ten. But I want to talk. There was a kid, Swedish kid named Broberg that came was really good last year at Edmonton at the Olympic uh, Gretzky tournament. York was a U.S. National Development Program at Harley, the defenseman that came on in the OHL. So just uh, maybe 15 seconds in each of those D. Yeah, they're all uh, they're all fairly similar. York is, you know, is a good puck manager, and and uh, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He skates really well. He thinks the game very well. He's a little bit bigger than than what he appears on the ice, but uh, you know he's just a guy that can that can play a lot of minutes because he's such a fluid skater and he doesn't get tired and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So there's a lot of value in him there. I think his shot might be a little bit underrated. Um, you know he's good on the power play. He he played with on the number one unit with Hughes and Turcotte and those guys. So I you know I think he probably felt a little bit. Well, I think he felt like he had to maybe move the puck to those guys a little bit quicker. I, I think there's more to his game at the, at the top, and, and, and he, you know, at times he'd find himself in the dot, and, and he had a good one-timer. So, you know, I thought he was real good, and and uh, Broberg is is a skate, yeah. big, rangy guy that can you know really skate and. You know, he likes to carry the puck. He can beat the forecheck, you know, with his feet, and, and uh, he can move it. He likes to carry it up ice. He's got a good shot in the end zone, in the, in the offensive zone. He's, he's very effective as well. Okay. Uh, Harley. Harley is, uh, you know, the similar to Broberg, I think. And, you know, a lot of his game revolves around his skating ability. And, and 
you know, good puck mover, likes to carry the puck, you know, maybe a little understated in the offensive zone. I think he's got a better shot maybe than he's given credit for, but he doesn't use it a lot. And, and But he moves it well and, and uh, put up pretty good numbers on a team that, that traded down this year and, and went young near the end of the year. Joined by Bob Green. He is uh, Director of Player Personnel for the Edmonton Oilers. Let's look at uh, two American centers, Turcotte and Zgrass. What can you tell us about these kids? Both competitive, talented kids. Um, you know, Zgrass played a little bit of wing this year. Um, more, more so than Turcotte. Tur- Turcotte was pretty much dialed in at center, but uh, I guess a little bit different. I think Zgrass is more of a playmaker. Uh, although he has a good shot, I think his tendency is, is to move the puck. Um, Turcotte is, is not a, he's still he's a good playmaker, but a little bit more if he, trusting in his shot, I guess, and, and uh, maybe a little bit better finisher on the net than, than Zgrass, but uh, Zgrass is really uh, uh, skilled, or what yeah, are you? skilled, but uh, you know he creates a lot more. Like it, it, Turcotte plays more in straight lines, and, and uh, you know maybe more of a traditional NHL player in that regard. But they they both compete hard, and then they're both highly highly skilled kids. All right. The uh, the, the question on the Western League all year this year was between you know Kirby Doc and uh, Dylan Cousins. Uh, I personally pulled 14 different, uh, either a coach or general manager from 14 different WHL organizations on this, and the vote ended up being 8-6. So that, that tells you a little right there. Uh, we'll start uh, Kirby Doc out of uh, Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta. Yeah, he's a solid player, big kid. Uh, we met him yesterday, and he's an imposing figure at 6'4". He's, he's you know big and strong already. Uh, good shot, good playmaker. He, he had a really strong playoff this year. Um, you know, really rose, rose to the occasion. They played PA in the second round, and PA went hard after him. I saw game two in PA, and, you know, oh, yeah. the, the fans were on him. The, the, the he players were on him. He scored, he scored maybe the best goal I'd seen all year and uh, gave it right back to them. Like, he, you know, he embraced th- that opportunity yeah. and that situation and, and uh, handled it really well. But, you know, he's a competitor and a highly talented kid. And, and uh, Dylan Cousins is... Uh, a little bit different, uh, you know, more of a straight line game. I think uh, uh, pays attention, a lot more attention to his game without the puck. He's pretty reliable, although, you know, Doc's pretty good penalty killer. Uh, you know, Cousins is, is, is pretty good without the puck and, and uh, didn't get the opportunities. I don't think in Lethbridge had some good 20-year-olds and, uh, you know, those guys got a lot of the power play and stuff and Dylan played a lot of the year on the second power play, but, you know, he can really shoot the puck and, and uh, he can make plays and, and they're both talented big guys. Alright, you, you spoke briefly about Caulfield who's a terrific scorer. I'm just going to wrap up with a question on uh, Matthew Boldy, what you can tell us about him out of the U.S. National Development Program and then Peyton Krebs who had a I saw him play a couple times this year. They don't have a lot of talent in Kootenai. Uh, is he a center? Is he a winger? So just a thought on those two guys. Yeah, Boldy uh, big kid uh, he 
skates pretty well for his size. So skating has really come along. It's something that you know he says he's really worked on in the last three years. Uh, he's got a good head for the game. He's got good skills. Good complimentary guy. He, you know he's big and strong. He can protect the puck. Uh, he's got a good shot. Probably like to see him use it a little bit more. But he's got a good shot, and, and he can make plays. And he keeps the puck alive in the in the offensive zone. Good off the cycle. And you know a typical bigger guy. You know he kind of understands how big he is, and he uses you know that as, as one of his strengths and and takes advantage of his size. But he's got good skills to go along with it. Okay, and then uh, Krebs. Krebs is just a real hard-working, heart and soul type of guy. You know, he's got good skill, and you know he's he's you know in a tough situation, I guess, last year and where they didn't you know they didn't have a great team, and he was a feature guy. He was a captain, and that's a lot at, at a young age, especially in your draft year. And and uh, but I thought he handled it well. Um, he had a good worlds. Uh, he was a captain there again, and, and uh, you know, just a kid that he, I think he leads by example and, and uh, never takes a shift off. And, and you know, he creates a lot, you know, through his hard work and through his skill. That is Bob Green and Bob Stoffer from the NHL's Draft Combine in Buffalo. Brendan Escott here on Oilers now. Uh, a text just came in at 6:30, 6:30, saying if Bowen Byram is being mentioned in the same breath. As Scott Niedermeyer, how do you not take that first overall? That's a it's a compelling argument. The only thing that I would say is that Niedermeyer's production across junior was was more consistent. I think you know Byram uh, Byram's only played two years in the WHL or three. No, he's played three years. He played uh, parts of three years anyway. So um, you know Niedermeyer maybe more of a sure thing coming out of junior. But don't forget that he was he was a third overall pick as well. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Bowen Byram. But, uh, yeah, you're right. If you're getting mentioned in the same breath as a Hockey Hall of Famer, probably a good look for you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 150 in Edmonton. We will come back to wrap up the show with more of your texts. It is uh, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 153 in Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott here on Oilers. Now, Bob will be back on Monday. He is in Buffalo with the Oilers uh, web team taking in the draft combine. So if you've missed uh, over the last couple of days, I was talking about this. Essentially, this is just a chance for the teams to to interview the players that are there. It's not so much about the on-ice skills at this event. It seems to be a lot more about discovering the character, maybe the family background, the work ethic, et cetera, et cetera, about these players. And uh, Bob Green was just on the show there with Bob, and it's, nobody's really tipping their hand. Nobody's really sure what's going to be available there at number eight. There's a few ideas, and this texter here at Edmonton, has suggested Cousins, Boldy, Caulfield, Zegras. So the, the most consistent things that I'm seeing, and, and Corey Proman of The Athletic kind of echoed this, it will be one of Boldy, Caulfield, or Zegras. So who do you take? Boldy seems to be the big-bodied winger. 
Caulfield, diminutive, hardworking leader. And Zegris is uh, one of the best playmakers in this draft. So where where is the Oilers' biggest need slotted into that? And I, I brought this up yesterday. Do you want another very undersized winger as part of your prospect depth on this team? They already have a Kyler Yamamoto. Caulfield's game, I don't think, is as physical per se. We've seen Yamamoto be willing to get into the dirty plays or the dirty areas of the ice in his time with the Oilers. Uh, I don't get the impression that Caulfield's much like that. So, hey, we'll find out in uh, less than a month's time. For now, we'll check in on this day in Oilers history. And back in 1987, it was uh, it was party time for the Edmonton Oilers. 17 seconds left, but a salute to a marvelous Edmonton club who came on in an important game at home, fell behind early, and then came back and tied it and went ahead and won it. Six seconds, five, Hextall way out, shoots it up. And ladies and gentlemen, the Edmonton Oilers have won the 1987 Stanley Cup. Grant Fuhrer, who made major saves on Doug Crossman in the early part of the period, John Muckler to the left. Yes, it was Glenn Anderson, Mark Messier, and Yari Curry all beating Flyers goaltender Ron Hextall as the Oilers beat Philadelphia 3-1 in Game 7. listening to Oilers now with Bob Stoff. In Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in front of the Northlands crowd. The Oilers fired 43 shots on Hextall to beat the Flyers for the second time in three years in the big dance. Tonight on 6.30, Chad, the Edmonton Eskimos play their second preseason game. It is against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at Investors Group Field. Dave Campbell, Morley Scott will have the kickoff show at 5 o'clock tonight, and then the actual kickoff of the game goes at 6.30. On Monday, Bob does return from Buffalo. Sportsnet's John Shannon will join us, and perhaps we'll have some more insight from the Oilers uh, as to exactly what direction they're going to take at this upcoming draft been a blast as always appreciate those who contributed on the heartland ford text line brendan escott saying so long up next a global news weather traffic update with eileen bell followed by the 6 30 ched afternoon news with guest hosts morgan black and brad whisker oilers now with bob stoffer weekdays at noon on oilers radio 6 30 ched